following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. We're gonna take My darkest night will turn to day where the soul of man never dies. No sand, no Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Today we have Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and our host Tom Dupree. And I gotta ask Tom, who is this? Well, maybe it's Ricky Skaggs. Oh, you got it! Before we started recording, I had stumped him, and it never happens. Yeah. So at, at this point, I'll turn it over to you. I'll try again next time to find one that you don't recognize. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. And uh, guys, we we have some articles to go through. Uh, you know, the market has been uh, down, and uh, but it it seemed to have been driven by the Nasdaq and the overvaluation in the tech sector uh, to a certain degree. Um, and um, before we get into the article. Uh, I just thought we might kind of review what's gone on and um, what areas of the market have been affected by it. So, um, as you said here uh, recently, um, the NASDAQ from its peak dropped a little over 10% from its peak. Which is NASDAQ is tech heavy. Yes. I think as as of now, it's about 9% from from the high, yeah. And uh, it dropped again yesterday, this morning, it's up a little. Um, and it, it all happened over three days. Uh, last time we saw something like this was in early June, where in a three-day period, exactly a three-day period, the NASDAQ dropped about 8% or so. Um, but since then, we've had this strong rally, uh, especially in uh, the large tech stocks, stocks like Apple, and then slightly smaller tech stocks like Tesla, uh, a lot of cloud stocks. Uh, so we saw this. Would you call oh, Salesforce, for instance? Would you call that a cloud stock or? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. Okay. It's, uh, in fact, it was one of the first cloud stocks, and a lot of other uh, cloud stocks uh, make uh, services that fit with Salesforce. Uh, so. And Salesforce has had quite a terrific run, by the way. It made a new high. Huge run. Yes. Up 40% the day it got put into the S&P 500. Right. And, uh, well, the guy who runs it, Mark Benioff, he's a pretty, you know, brilliant guy. But I digress. So so we saw this uh, quick drop in the market, which really didn't 
surprised me just because the the rally that preceded it was quite a uh, you know tremendous rally where it just the market just kept going up without any serious correction. So usually when that happens, you see such uh, big drops. Right. Um, this article says investors buying dip get run over as NASDAQ losses deepen, which would suggest that there are a lot of small players out there who are just trading it. Right. And um, probably mainly off the Robinhood platform and um, other kinds of trading type platforms where they are simply buying tech because they think it's a kind of a can't lose proposition. And many of them, well, I would say just about all of them are momentum investors. They're not doing any um, research. Yeah, I, I think tech resonates with uh, younger investors uh, just because I, I think they deal with it more than the older investors do. Uh, and uh, it's also something that they can relate to, uh, whether it be, you know, a few years ago, it was social media stocks, Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And now it's stocks like Tesla, uh, which is an electric car maker. Uh, and of course, your big Apple and uh, Netflix and all those stocks. Um, so, you know, given that we've seen... Um, the way that it usually starts is, you know, stocks rally and they're kind of under the radar. And at some point, the higher they go, the more visible they become. We've seen that with something like Apple. Uh, really, basically, since 2016, it's had quite a, a rally, even though it's been a leader right since the end of the financial crisis. Uh so as these stocks have rallied more and more, they've become more visible to a lot of investors. Uh, and, uh, you know, we read more and more about them in the news and such. Uh, and that has built up even more momentum. Uh, so uh, that's usually how, you know, uh, eventually uh, bubbles happen. I'm not saying that, you know, there is a bubble or there isn't. We will only know in hindsight. But we saw something similar in the in the 90s where the rally started in the mid-90s, but around 98, 99, we started seeing a lot of interest from yeah. youngsters and people who weren't previously interested in uh, in the stock market. Well, right. You have all these individual investors. It, it's almost like the casino mentality when you walk in and you see all these people gathered around one roulette table and it's hitting black every single time. And they're like, you got to bet black. You can't lose. You can't lose. And and that's the, those words right there. That's the, that's the mentality. And you've seen this in human psychology time and time again, um, with, with different stocks throughout different decades, you know, you go with GE, you can't lose, right. you know, go with Walmart. You can't lose, go with Microsoft. You can't lose. And it, inevitably when you end up, at some point you get end up holding the hot potato right so yes every decade we've seen that really when you think about it in the 50s it was gm uh in the late 60s it was called the gogo stocks your eastman kodak and uh you know xerox and stocks like that and then in the 70s there were a lot of telecommunication stocks uh and then uh 
in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, you know, we saw a lot of uh, metal and gold mining and silver mining stocks do extremely well. And there was a bubble that eventually burst there. Uh, 90s, of course, we had the tech boom. And then after that, we had a bubble in housing stocks uh, and the housing market. So, I mean, it seems unusual, but it's uh, it's something that seems to happen every decade or so. Well, people don't like to do the research and differentiate uh, between one thing and another. It, it, people frequently want to do something that's uh, kind of a one decision uh, route, right. Right. It, it seems. I mean, there's, uh, I guess there's security in, in, you know, being a part of a herd or a group. Yes. Yeah, there, there definitely is, I would think. As long as you can stay in the middle and not be uh, the, the weak link on the outside that the cheetah picks off. <laughs> right. right. But one <laughs> of the things that's come about in, in any of these bubbles, you have these um, packaged products, different things that come about uh, in, you know, most, you, know, you have these three-time leveraged, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, vehicles that you can bet on tech or uh, housing or whatever it may be and a lot of these uh, is what one of the things this article's uh, hitting on is you're still seeing that mentality that you can't lose and you've had a lot of money flow into these you know three times leveraged tech uh, funds and what a lot of people don't understand is those things reset daily um, you, yeah. you you cannot be a long-term investor and own those because even if you look out over a year's time frame, even if from day one to the end of the year, the the basket that it's tracking is higher, it depends on the volatility between day one and the last day. And you can lose a lot of money because it, it's a daily reset of that. And so it speaks to the, the people that are trading, the not long-term investors. And, you know, we are long-term investors. You know, we're looking at companies or sectors and, you know, trying to see, okay, where is this going over a long period of time, not jumping in and out and getting caught up in, you know, these various types of bubbles that have happened over history, you know, yeah, trying to right. avoid those. Well, that, that three times leverage play, that's that exact mentality of, like you said, Mike, uh, you can't lose, you got to do it. And inevitably what happens in a play like that is it works until it doesn't. And it's right. the, the the volatility is what makes it not work on the upside and the downside. Right. You know, right. you you could see because to get three times leverage on a on an ETF, you've got to do derivative, you know, different kinds of financing type things. Yeah. And what you could see is when you have these days where you come in and the Nasdaq's down four percent, and that's yeah. your that's what you're tracking. Well you might be more than 12% down at that point, just based on the leverage and based on whatever derivatives are there. I mean, you could be more like four or five times what the, the NASDAQ is. Why is that? Because it's reset daily. Yeah. Uh, so it's like you start at 100 and then you uh, it goes up 1%. Your triple ETF is up 103. Yeah. But the next day it goes down 1%. You know the your triple ETF is three uh, percent down. So they're the really one. more dangerous on the downside than they are helpful on the right. upside. So when you look at the charts of any of these triple ETFs, it's just constant downwards. Yeah. You know they decay right. over time. Right. I I think the uh, 
the smart thing, and e- even there are successful gamblers out there. We, we keep going yeah. back to the analogy of gamblers. Yeah. Well, a successful gambler is somebody that goes in with a plan. You know, a, 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 there there is rules on um, rule. Like here's a here's a I'll, I'll give you a roulette game for for example. You start out with two dollars, four dollars, six dollars. Eight dollars, ten dollars, or you know, so on and so forth. But you you keep doubling or, or incrementally increasing the bet, and you bet the same exact bet every time. That over time, so you bet black, black, right. black. So if you lose the two dollar, you put the four on black. If you lose the four, you put the six on black. And what happens is, is if you finally hit black, then you remake your stacks. So the yeah. goal is over a long period of time, if you get a 51% hit rate or a 52% hit rate on black, you're going to make money. Now it takes hours upon hours, but that, that is what an experienced statistical playing planned gambler does, you know, with, with us or, or, you know, with, with someone who does their research, you know, it's called sticking to the plan. Yes. Now there's days where you, you know, the market goes against you. You chalk it up as today's not my day. You come back, you live to fight another day. A gambler doesn't live to fight another day. Yeah, He goes in swinging. Well, and the, the difference, too, it's not a it's not a zero-sum game. So if you have, with as a long-term investor, you're not jumping in and jumping out. So you have a day that's, well, today's not my day. That doesn't mean that, A, doesn't mean you have to take any action, uh, but, B, it means you don't have to sell. Uh, and the third one is you might have the opportunity to buy more uh, on a day that's not your day because the market's gone against you or over a period of time. And so from a long-term standpoint, it's a dynamic portfolio. That's what we tell our clients all the time. It's dynamic. And what that means is we are making adjustments to it. You know, we are adding to certain positions or we're adding new positions yeah, as we see opportunities. So it's, it's not a all in all out kind of thing. So it's, it's a dynamic portfolio. Yeah. And, and the most important thing to that is that you have rules in place that mm-hmm. you follow and you stick to no matter what, right. What's going on, you know, and if you, if you follow your set rules and you follow your process, inevitably you you end up getting to where you want to be right and because the rules because um, investing is a lot of emotion i mean yeah. uh, that's something you know adarsh you've talked about a lot of times you know we've talked about on the show you know it's it's an emotional thing money is emotional but having those rules in per- place and being disciplined on the rules um that keeps some of that emotion out of it and and then the research the research keeps some of that emotion out of it right in fact uh, jason zwieg uh, who we always uh, look at read his articles he's written a book called uh, your money and your brain and he goes into how people oftentimes end up losing money because the brain is wired to the you know the flight or fla- fight or flight response loss avoidance yes and uh, investing requires a more longer term view which you know uh, the brain is still not quite there <laughs> uh, just because, you know, just a few hundred years ago, we were still dealing with physical danger. And now yeah. we are at a point where at least physically, the, you know, on a daily basis, 
you're not worried about being attacked by someone or anything, but the brain is still not quite there. So when it comes to investing, yeah. the response to a drop in a stock or in the market is often to get out of it and escape. Because it's caused you pain and you think it's going to cause you right. more. Right. How about, let's talk about Apple. Apple still wears the market crown. It can easily slip. And this is an article by Jason Zwig. Um, and he talks about the different um, companies that have been the the uh, leadership or that have been the largest uh, capitalization companies on the market. And it, it, there's only been 11 since the end of 1925, which is, I found kind of astounding. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. Of the, he says, of the 24,979 companies that issued common stock between December 1925 and July of uh, 2020, only 11 of them. Um, but what's interesting is the, of those 11, none of them stay. Uh, you, you, you have, you know, companies that come, companies that go. Uh, so like AT&T, uh, 43% of the time over that 95-year period, uh, AT&T was the largest company by market cap. You know, I, we were talking about it the other day, and kind of I want to show my age a little bit. Uh, <laughs> when, when AT&T split into – five separate operating companies. I think it was around 1984 or 85. And um, they uh, they were required to do that, I think by the, the Justice Department perhaps, required them to break up because they had a monopoly in uh, telephone. And um, they basically split all the five landline operating systems uh, into separate regions and uh, called them separate things. And uh, if you had kept all those baby bells, they it, they quadrupled. So, of course, that company could not be the leader of the pack. But, uh, you know, they, they really, uh, once they were split up, they really – grew a lot go ahead i just wanted to jump in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with this article um but it's you, know, you again on the emotional side of things you, you look at a company like apple or amazon or microsoft and you say okay these are going to be the leaders uh if, you know, one of them will be the leaders for years or decades to come well, the odds historically are very slim that that's going to be the case. Um, and as an investor, you know, the question becomes, okay, do I try to find the new leader in the market? Maybe you can, the odds are not in your favor. Um, you know, of the 25,000 companies, 11 became that, yeah. um, you know, that that's the growth investing, you know, so the, the odds are stacked against, uh, when you're doing that. Um, but, making a bet that either something's going to stay the leader or trying to find that new leader, you, the, the 
better way to invest as a from a portfolio standpoint is to find companies, individual companies, sectors that make things that are used on a regular basis that right. have a predictable cash flow. Um, that way you're, it's not an all or nothing kind of scenario. And that's what we try to do is find that middle ground. You know, it's a balancing act, find that middle ground where hopefully we find a company that's a solid company at an attractive price. And that's what we want to own. The the ones that are the biggest, like Walmart and Microsoft, were both at one time. They're never really cheap enough to, right, to buy. So if you chase those, you're always going to be paying more exactly. than you want to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you know, what ends up inevitably happening is is you set yourself up for lower future returns. Uh, you know. Uh, you talked about GM, Adarsh. This is GM is the biggest example on this list. GM, if you just held it and held it and held it because you thought, oh, you can't lose with GM, well, eventually it went bankrupt. <laughs> um, let's just let's just put that out yeah. there. Uh, you look at Walmart. If you bought Walmart at the peak of the the bubble of the tech bubble, it took or not Walmart, uh, Microsoft. It took you 16 years to get back to even. GE, if you bought it at the peak, you're shot. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We need to take the bottom of the hour break. We're powered by Dupree Financial Group, coming to you from Dupree Studios on Main Street. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Please know. We all know. When you need to know. People want to know. When you have to know. How this happened. You can be in the know. Right here. Right here. Everybody knows. Everybody knows it. But you never know. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, Be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. iHeartRadio's new podcast, Criminalia, explores the intersection of history and true crime. Criminal activities linger in the margins of history, and lady poisoners offer up some of the most compelling tales. But were they perpetrators or sympathetic characters? We're going to find out. Nellie, it would turn out, was also a fellow poisoner. Listen to Criminalia on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
From unlikely heroes to world-changing tragedies and powerful examples of the American spirit, there's a whole side of American history that's been pushed to the shadows. Within a few short years, Radium's future grew to be the new bright and shiny object, but Marie's beautiful, glowing miracle had a darker side. Get ready for a tour of American history unlike any other. Get ready for American Shadows. Find American Shadows on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You think it won't happen to you. You're in a rush, so you start speeding. You cut off a car or truck. You didn't think that much of it until now. Last year in Kentucky, more than 6,000 people were involved in a commercial vehicle crash, and 88 lives were taken. That's why the Kentucky State Police are participating in the TACT campaign. TACT stands for Ticketing Aggressive Cars and Trucks. Leave space and be safe. Brought to you by the Kentucky State Police and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. We've made it to the weekend and we're dealing with an increase in showers and thunderstorms. Not raining all day on this Saturday. Best chance will come late afternoon into the evening when showers and storms increase 80 to 85 ahead of that action. Then showers and storms become a little more widespread overnight and into much of the day on Sunday. Sunday's highs in the 70s as cold front makes its way into town. Lower humidity, much better air into Monday and Tuesday with a mix of sun and clouds. 70s for highs, 50s for lows. Have a great weekend from the WKYT First Alert Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeartRadio Station. Officer Don here for Quantro Cadillac with the unmistakable new 2020 Cadillac XT4 Sport Utility, the ultimate and iconic luxury. Complete with features such as automatic emergency braking, safety alert seat, and an available hands-free power liftgate. And now, owning or leasing the new 2020 Cadillac XT4 couldn't be any easier. Visit Quantrell Cadillac today or shop QuantrellCadillac.com to take advantage of attractive offers. Quantrell Cadillac. Quantrell for life. Enjoy an unrivaled experience. If you're tired of paying for cable news, tune into Newsmax TV right now for free. Get real news with shows from Mike Huckabee, Greg Kelly, Michelle Malkin, Diamond and Silk, Alan Dershowitz, and more. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. Or get it free on Roku, Zumo, YouTube, Pluto, Apple TV, Chromecast, Amazon Fire, or your smart TV. So save money and watch Newsmax TV. Or download the free app from your smartphone and... And start watching right now. Time's running out to win $1,000 a day for life from Publishers Clearinghouse. Enter at PCH.com and you and your family could soon be celebrating the win of a lifetime. Don't miss your chance to win $1,000 a day for life on October 31st. Go to PCH.com before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want the next big winner to be you. Enter now at PCH.com. Entries due 1028. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. 
For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. This is the home of the Wildcats, 630 WLAP. A simple life. I work all day, sleep all night. A couple kids need a nap. Big dog and a little cat. Wife that barks but rarely bites. So I live a simple life. Yeah. I live a simple life. A good coat when the cold winds bite. Leather boots to my bare feet. Now and then a steak to eat. I pick with the boys on Friday nights. So I live a simple life. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour with the Darsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson. We're powered by Dupree Financial Group from the Dupree Studios on Main Street. And here is our host, Tom Dupree. Back on the Tom Dupree Show, book value versus market value, the key differences. So, you know, every company has a book value, which, you know, depending upon how they do the accounting, um, book value could be liquidating value, or it may be something significantly below that. Uh, some companies have a very low book value uh, because of certain things they've written down and um, or the market value has gotten quite high compared to book value. But how do we look at these things? Yeah, so the biggest thing with, with book value compared to market value. So book value, <clears throat> simple formula here is book value is your total assets minus your total liabilities. So everything you have in assets, pay off all your debts, whoever you owe, whatever is left over is supposed to be your carrying amount on your book value. The problem with that uh, and where you get to market value, so market value is what basically the stock market values you at or what some investor values you at. So if somebody takes a private stake, let's say they take a, a 20, uh, $20 million stake in a company for 10% of the company, like you see on Shark Tank or something like that, uh, well, they're valuing your company at $200 million. You may not have that in book value, but that's what you're valued at from an investment perspective. Uh, where you get discrepancies between the two is, and this is where, you know, kind of research doing some fundamental analysis and uh, looking at a business is your intangibles, your, your goodwill and your intangible assets. Um, you know, so you think of a company like... Um, like Microsoft, Microsoft trades way, way above its book value or Apple trades way, way above its book yeah. value. But what, um, what you're looking at is what does the name Microsoft, what is that name actually worth? You know, for a company, they keep it on their books at a nominal amount and it doesn't ever really change over long periods of time. So you wonder if they would ever write that value up to approximate market value, you know, say that their goodwill is a lot higher. I, I don't know that they could ever do that, but 
uh, the market is obviously saying it's worth a lot more than than what the book value what they're carrying it at typically you would never write up intangible assets or or goodwill the only time that you ever build intangible assets or goodwill on your balance sheet is when you buy another company right um and you pay up for that company then you you build you that have to put your, it in yeah you, then way. you put it in um typically a lot of a lot of companies wouldn't be into doing something like that because yeah. uh then you subjugate yourself to have to write it down in the future right. you know so they just kind of leave it as is um, that's where, you know, a, a lot of old school, old, old, old school value investors typically use book value metrics to, to really value something. Um, you know, I, I personally would say that some of that has shifted, um, a little bit because of the, the economy that we're in, um, based on a lot of companies not really being hard asset companies anymore. So it's a lot harder to really use book value as the sole determining factor in picking companies. Right. Yes, uh, that's, that's true. I mean, when you think of, uh, you know, all the big companies today, uh, none of them really are. I mean, a company like Apple does produce a tangible product but then they also have a big service business. Uh, so it, it's really hard, but some of the more traditional industries, which have always remained, and there's no reason why they would go away, industries like insurance, banks, uh, even you know commodities, uh, their book value remains relevant and will always remain uh, relevant. In fact, Commodity stocks are one of the few stocks where the book value is constantly fluctuating because the price of the commodity constantly fluctuates. And, you know, the book value does not always reflect the current uh, price of the commodity. Uh, but anything to do with tech or biotech, uh, you know, or even pharmaceuticals, the book value becomes less and less uh, relevant because it's all research driven. A lot of it is intangible. Yeah. I, and I think too, from a, another research uh, perspective too, is that if you're if you're going to be doing this on your own, or, or you need to be able to know what metrics are important, mm -hmm. you know, because to what you were saying, Adarsh, a, a book value metric isn't necessarily important for a company like Netflix, uh, but it is important for a company like mm, a J.P. Morgan. Or yeah. something like that, you know, because that that's tangible, uh, tangible assets. You know, you've got loans and you've got deposits, and you can kind of right. back into it that way. Uh, the, I think the the problem is is knowing what metrics are important for what industry that you're in, and being able to to decipher what you're really looking at. Right, and. I mean, book value is one of those. Uh, other ones would be, you know, P.E. ratio, price to earnings. You know, well, with with REITs, uh, it's not that. It's not a P.E. It's price to funds from operations because you have depreciation and different things. Um, so it, it every industry has its own way of doing things and, and different things that you should look at to value it. Um, and that's what it all of this comes back to 
value. Uh, you know, th- these are all measurements of value, and you compare one company to another in this particular sector, and you you look at the differences in the companies, what you know, pros and cons of each one, and then you assess that. Okay, this one is a value, meaning you're buying potential future earnings at a lower price. And, and so all of these things are just, they're, they're me, uh, value measurements, it's price to earnings, price to book, all of these things. Adarsh told me a long time ago too, on top of that, is that investing is as much an art as it is a science. Um, and I've thought a lot about this, Adarsh, and I'm going to take you on a little path here. And I, I, I've told our newest guy, Brad, this before too, is that the science is the numbers, but the actual art is being able to step back and look at those numbers from a big picture point of view and say, what are these numbers actually telling me? What picture are these numbers painting? And I think that's the, that's the most difficult part of, of investing is being able to figure out what these numbers are telling me, what, what picture is it painting to me? Um, you know, and if you're trying to do it from an individual standpoint, it, it's, it becomes very, very difficult to, to be able to be good at the science and the art side of things. You know, and I think that's, that's one thing that we, we really focus on here is, um, you know, some of us are better at the science part of it and some of us are better at the art part of it. And, you know, we're able to do things as a team and really kind of stick to a, a path and a plan on that. Right. Having a committee makes it a lot harder to make individual mistakes. Exactly. And I think both those aspects, you know, there are different sides of the brain that come into operation. You know, the art is more the right side of your brain, not trying to make it, you know, physiological, but I, I think what happens is some people get too fixated on the science. Just look at the numbers in order to try and beat. And we've seen that some of the worst investors are those, you know, who get completely just fixated on the number just because when you do that, uh, you know, the numbers that you're looking at is, is about the past. It's telling you a picture of what's happened in the past. It in no way tells you what could happen in the future. And I think that's where the art comes in, where you imagine what may happen, uh, you know, and that's, that's very subjective. Uh, but that's, I, I think, uh, I would argue perhaps that's even more important than the numbers because even a machine will crunch the numbers and give you a list of stocks to buy. But uh, it requires a certain imagination to figure out, you know, which stocks or industries will do uh, uh, well despite what the numbers tell, tell you. Yeah, like a, a prime example, I mean, like a company like that sells knickknacks. I'm just going to make something up here. But if, if they're selling a hundred knickknacks in 2015 and then 105 knickknacks in 16, 110 knickknacks in 17, well, the science tells you, okay, you're, you're getting this, this five knickknack a year growth rate, right. but where the art comes in is, is being able to, to look back and say, all right, where, where does this, where does this end? Where, you know, at what point does the does the stock outpace what the actual growth rate of the company is? Right. You know, and, and being able to say, okay, this is when 
we maybe need to exit this company or this is maybe a buy signal or, or something like that, you know, because I can't tell you how many screens that I've ran. Like you said, the science, it brings up all these companies, but it puts companies in front of you that are declining businesses, but they fit the screening metrics because right. they've hit certain PE thresholds or certain price to book thresholds or something like that. But, you know, their sales are continuously declining. Their, uh, you know, their earnings, Tobacco companies are a prime example. Yeah, right. They'll hit every screen you run, but right. they are in a declining industry. Well, and that's why we don't use the the automated, you know, the robo-advisor or whatever. That's why we have that human touch on all of these things is to, you know, have a human being looking at these variables. The, the business. The business. And say, okay. Not just the numbers. Exactly. What's it? making exactly and you know okay use your knickknack example well there's a there's a knickknack 2.0 coming out and you know the five percent growth is going to go to a three percent decline going forward and it's it's those kinds of things that we try to weed through when we're looking at these companies all right so there's another article here dividends are coming back at least in part after a rush of cuts and suspensions now dividends are something that we look at. It's not the only thing we look at. We we also look at the the potential for growth. But um, you had uh, a lot of dividend cuts when the COVID nineteen kicked in in March, uh, because as you have said, um, companies can stand a slowdown. But they can't stand a shutdown very, for very long, and and so they had to literally quit paying their dividends. But it looks like some of them are beginning to come back, and uh, just wonder which ones and and what you guys had to say about this. Well, I, th I think it's it's interesting and it's it's encouraging from a business standpoint uh, because. When you have a shutdown, no business happening, um, and you're a company that's paying out X amount in terms of dividends, uh, and your business is sh cut in half or totally shut down, um, you're not going to pay that dividend. You're going to suspend can't. your share buybacks. You're not going to pay the dividend. You can't. Um, but now business is coming back online. And you actually had some companies that raised dividends, uh, even – you know, back in March, April timeframe, there was, it was a smaller number, but some actually raised, but the ones that did cut, you're starting to see them. If they totally suspended it, starting to pay, uh, or start increasing that dividend back up. Um, that's encouraging because you're seeing that a, their business model is still intact. Uh, but two, you know, money is flowing now, you know, yeah. things are, reopening businesses starting to happen again yeah. um that's encouraging yeah and, go ahead Adarsh. I, I was just going to say when you look at the list it looks like retail they're all retail stocks except one of them which they mentioned in this article so surprisingly retail uh demand has been quite strong throughout yeah. this uh and you know these companies dick sporting goods estee lauder those are the ones that you know have after initially cutting them, have come back and, uh, you know, have reinstated them. 
I think a prime example on the, the, the dividend and, and why a company can withstand a slowdown and not a shutdown because a dividend is a share of the profits. It's not mm. all of the profits unless it's, you know, a REIT or something right. like that. But, you know, a, a prime example of a company that paid a dividend, you know, continues, you know, continue to pay a dividend through good times and bad times up until this Disney. You know, Disney, you yeah. could you could have an economic slowdown. They could continue to pay the dividend. You know, the, the, the parks will remain open. People that can afford to go on a Disney cruise will still go on a Disney cruise. People will still watch Disney movies, go to theaters, all these things. Well, when you look at the, the perfect storm, theaters close. Yep. Couldn't get any revenue there. Parks were forced to close. No revenue there. Uh, cruise ships closed, no revenue there. ESPN sporting events. Their sporting events. There was no sporting events. So y- you literally saw the government come in and say, "No more business." Right. <laughs> and Disney had to suspend their dividend. You know, so that is a that is the truest example of why a company can withstand a slowdown and not a shutdown. Um, you know, since then things are starting to open back up, uh, and you could possibly see Disney reinstate the dividend in the, in the near future. But, you know, that is, I mean, even like these retailers on this list, a lot of them, you know, still had online sales, but you look at a company like Disney or, or something like that, that was pure shutdown. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, companies, Cedar Fair, uh, that is, that owns Kings Island and all the the amusement parks around here, you know, and that is a that is a limited partnership. So that's a company that you know pays out everything, pays through depreciation, all that. So they they rely heavily on debt. Six Flags, all these these big amusement parks, they're in some serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Airlines, airlines, <laughs> yeah. And you're starting to see, I mean, even utilities, um, you're starting to see business pick back up there because on the, you know, the manufacturing side, everything was shut down. That's a, they're big users of electricity. So even utilities, and that's why you saw even typically defensive sectors like utilities fall as much as they did uh, in March and April. Because typically when interest rates decline, utilities are su- right. supposed to, by by rule of nature, perform really well in those environments. Well, when you cut half their business out from under them, right. you know, it, it gets shaky. Right. So with this uh, comeback of dividends, I mean, does that, you know, is the market justified in where it is? Because um, it 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 dropped big time and then came way back well, up. And and to that point, the market itself, if you look at individual stocks, most of it, yes. Um, you know, because the market, like we've been saying on here several times, is driven by six companies now. You know, Facebook, Amazon. Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Google, uh, you take those out of the equation, just about every other company is down for the year, down right. 10 to 20% for the year. More, you know, the, the S&P 494, <laughs> <laughs> down, it's down double digits. And, and, and that's where you have to do your research. Those kinds of companies, 
it's not just a one decision buy because they actually trade based on PE and earnings and things like that. And these other companies don't, they don't trade based on, on PE or, or, or earnings. They trade based on the greater fool theory. You know, this guy's going to buy it from me at a higher price than what I paid. Somebody's going to be crazier than, than and that's I what's am. driven the averages. Mm-hmm. That's so. why you, that, that is why you have to be extremely careful with your investments. You, you need to have a plan. You need to understand where you're at on the risk spectrum, where you're at in your life, where based on in your life, where you should be at on the risk spectrum and manage accordingly. Well, that wraps up another week of the Tom Dupree show. We hope you've learned something today. Our goal is to educate, guide and empower. If you've heard something that you want to hear again, you can go to our website and we post the podcast after the show airs uh, and you can find it again there and have another listen if you want to hear it again we'd love to hear from you you can also contact us on our web page there's a let's contact button or you can call us at 859-233-0400 we really appreciate you listening and we will talk to you next week powered by dupree financial group talk to you then I accept, I accept this nomination. It's full steam ahead. Continue to go forward. Destination Election Day. To change the course. We are not going back. Roll with the station that keeps you informed. News Radio 630. Get on the train. WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.